Welcome to the Hope. Everybody that's here, everybody that stayed home, and you're in your jammies at home drinking coffee right now. We see you. Well, we don't really, but anyway. Welcome to the Hope. Um, it, it's kind of a, a different time, season. How many have, have figured that out in the kingdom of God, right? And, you know, it's hard sometimes because we get all busy with everything we're doing and, and uh, we forget some of the normal things that take place. Some of Yesterday was one of mine. Uh, my wife and I celebrated 45 years. But she was gone most of the day, so celebrated by myself. But no, it was a good thing. She, she went to a women's conference, and, and uh, the timing just happened to be that way. But we also have a, another younger couple here uh, who are celebrating today, I believe, 51 years. Laura and Gary back here. And you haven't met him maybe yet, but that is Laura's husband, Gary. All right, so everybody make sure and say hi to him. And uh, I love that tie there. It looks, looks good on you, Gary. I can tell he's, he's a handsome man, and he looks real happy. So that, you're doing something right. All right, Laura. So today we are uh, just looking at some different things within the church. And... I was reminded last week when Pastor Dave spoke, and how many enjoyed Pastor Dave and Mary Jo? <laughs> Dr. Williams. He loved it when I called him that. So anyway, uh, he was my pastor when I first started out, as I shared, and uh, I just have the deepest respect for he and the ministry that God has, has accomplished through him. And uh, as I was listening to Dave speak, it just reminded me of some of the times that we had back at the Hope. And I started thinking, what was different then compared to today? You know, what was different within the church then that I see different here in our church today? And, and you might be surprised at what I came up with because I really had to think about it, but it turned out it was a three-letter word. A simple little three-letter word, as I'm calling it, own. The difference between then and today was that, and, and I'm saying this happened over time, but it was a brief amount of time, that the church, and that included my wife and I, because we were fairly new believers at the time. I wasn't in ministry. Well, I was, but it was volunteer, just like many of you do, and uh, Here's what happened. We took ownership. They took ownership. They owned it. Everybody say this. I own the church. It doesn't belong to Pastor Norm. You don't have to say that part. It belongs to the Lord. This is his gift to the church. He's blessed us with this beautiful facility, 16 acres, and there are many other churches in our community that have, have witnessed the same thing. What does God do with the church? Uses it to what? You almost said it. Glorify His name. To glorify His name. 
He uses it to build the church. Now listen, it's different from the New Testament church. Did they have buildings like this in the New Testament? This came later. Is it a bad thing? I don't think so. I think that the church has a place. Do home groups have a place? Absolutely. Do, do the churches that just show up and, and take out over a, maybe a Christian school on a Friday night, do they have a place? Absolutely. Because what do they all have in common? They're reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And as long as we're doing that, we're going to be okay. But here's the thing. When somebody comes to this church, what do they experience? When they just filter in, without us knowing it sometimes, they're brand new, what do they see? I hear all these things. What should they see? They should see that you and I own this place. It's ours. And we should treat it as such. All right? So back then in the 80s and 90s, there was this culture of ownership. And today I want to look at what it means to own the church. Would you bow your heads one more time with me? Heavenly Father, again, we are humbled to be in your presence today. Those who are online, those who are here, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see. I believe that every person within the hearing of my voice has a plan, has a purpose, and you have a plan for them, according to Jeremiah 29, 11. A plan not to harm them, but a plan to prosper them and to give them a bright future. Lord, plant that seed in us today and help us to take ownership of all that you've given us, all that you've blessed us. And that includes this building, but so much more, as we'll talk about this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So what does it mean to own something? And I was kind of surprised, because as I looked the definition up, there were quite a few different ways that they put it. But one thing that was consistent is that somebody that owns something takes responsibility for that thing, okay? Example, if I own my car, I'm going to take responsibility for it. What does that mean? It means I'm going to make sure the oil's changed in it on a regular basis, right? Because otherwise, that little yellow check engine light and then that little red engine light turns on, and you don't want that. Because when that comes on, that means your treasure, your car, your valuable thing that you use to get around is probably not going to last too much longer. What other things do you have to do with it? Clean it, especially in Michigan, because if you don't, you're going to have yourself a rust bucket. <laughs> Nobody wants a rust bucket, right? Because what does the rust do? It devalues your vehicle, all right? Other things, you have to make sure it's insured. And that that little teeny tag on the back of that license plate is up to date. Because if you don't, the state police are going to pull you over. And I know that because I ride with them and I see it all the time. So make sure your little tag is up to date. That's part of your responsibility as a car owner. And that's just 
one thing. Of course, we own other things as well. When a person takes ownership of something, he or she is saying, I will take responsibility for, fill in the blank, and will properly care for it. As I've already said, the reason why is simple. Because if you don't, if you don't care for that thing that you own, then it will become devalued. When something devalues, it's often seen as trash and it's treated poorly. I saw this when we were down in Florida. People would, maybe the owner died, maybe uh, somebody just stopped taking care of it, but as soon as that property stopped being taken care of, you know what happened? You probably know this better than anybody because it happened to you guys, not because of anything you did wrong. But when you don't make sure it looks like the lights are on somebody's home, guess what? They come in and they take spray paint and they do graffiti, they break into the house, they steal things, etc. because it's been devalued. It looked like nobody owned that home. And because of that, somebody took advantage of it. When my boys were growing up, and, and, and how many had fun Christmases when your kids were little. I mean, I kind of lived out my childhood through my boys sometimes. And I, my mom's probably watching. We had great Christmases, so I'm not saying... Thank you for that. <laughs> Somebody's dropping things in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm embarrassing them now. I don't know who it is. but uh, my, my mom and dad took really good care of us. They, they had five children and uh, we had, we had blessed Christmases. <laughs> You're okay, we forgive you. It was Cheryl. Everybody say, thanks Cheryl. Love you Cheryl. Boy, it's one of those days. Yes, amen. I remember getting some of the, the Christmas presents for our kids, and of course my in-laws helped out a lot too. And uh, we had great Christmases with our boys, but we always tried to emphasize the fact that, look, these are your toys now, whatever they were. It cost us money to have to buy these toys or to buy these toys, so you need to what? Take care of them. You know, whether it was a toy or a bicycle, whatever it was, it was their responsibility to take care of their toys, which meant they'd put them up at the end of the night, I know there were several times that they got up the next morning and their toys were gone. That's because they had a mom and dad who cared to teach them things, and we would hide them and say, really, you had toys? Oh, okay. Because they left them out. They didn't take care of them. What, we were, what were we trying to do? We were trying to teach them that they needed to take care of their stuff. Otherwise, somebody else might help themselves to them. They might get lost, they might get stolen, or broken. It was more than once that I stepped on a toy in the middle of the night. And trust me, it took all that I had not to let people know that I wasn't a Christian. When Barb and I went to Mount Hope Church in Lansing, we learned to take ownership of that building and that property. Pastor Dave taught us that we own the building, 
as much as anybody else did. As such, we needed to do the things that were necessary to keep that building up. I remember there's a friend of mine, and, and I'm going to call him out even though he's probably never going to hear this, but his name was Scott, and Scott and I were lockup guys. Now, every night before we left, we were the last ones out of the building, so that meant what? We had to wait for everybody to leave. That's what it meant. <laughs> so after everybody left, usually around 10 o'clock-ish, and we hung around there. Man, nobody left on those Sunday nights. And he and I would go around the building, make sure all the windows and doors were locked. And that was pretty easy when we were on St. Joe, but when we moved into the new building, the big building where they're at now, it became a lot more work. And we still did that job for years after. Why? Because we were owners of that church. We felt like that was our church. Say it with me. This is my church. Now, Gary, I know you belong to another church, so I get it. You don't have to say that. But the rest of you, if this is your church, say it again with me. This is my church. And if you're a visitor, you're saying it by faith. You'll, you'll be here forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. The building and the property, we felt, represented us. And as such, we took care of it. And, and here's my question. Do you take care of your church? This is so important today. Because we are all busy. Say it. I'm busy. There's nobody in here that's lying when you say that. I don't know anybody that isn't overly busy. We've all got too much to do. We've got too much stuff coming into our heads. There are too many things coming at us all the time. And yet, we prioritize the things that are important. Right? Do you feed yourself? Come on, there's nobody in here that's going to lie about that either. Other than Sarah, the rest of you, I could, no, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. You can tell we all feed ourselves. We don't forget that. We take care of that part. Most of us shower. Thank you for that. But look at your neighbor and say thank you for that. Yep. We take care of what's ours. We take care of our families. We take care of our dog and our cat if we have one. Our horse. We have one of those. Whatever. The things that are important to us, we take care of. It's pretty simple, right? How many know that it takes money to keep the lights on? Just count the ones that are in here, including the one that should be on over there. See? We had the money. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's been a nuisance light right there. We got to get that fixed. It takes money to turn on the AC in the summer which should be on any minute now, I hope. It takes money to turn on the natural gas or to keep the natural gas burning in the winter months. How many are thankful for that? It takes money when updates are needed, when paint needs to be applied, when the lawn needs to be mowed, and 
the parking lot needs to be plowed, which I hate to tell you this, is coming soon. I just had that conversation with our, our plow guy. It sounded like there was air coming out of a tire in the back. Right? <laughs> it takes money to keep this church service on live stream and Facebook every week. It takes money to buy the communion elements that we enjoy today. And the new life books, the, the start of something wonderful for, for those who are beginning their new journey with the Lord. And yes, it takes money to pay the salaries of the pastor and the staff here. This doesn't just happen on its own. Pastor Dave, using the Bible as his guide, taught that those belonging to the church were expected to support it with their tithes and their offerings. I remember one Sunday when... Uh, I had worked seven days that week, 12, hour, 12 hours a day at Oldsmobile. That's back when it was Oldsmobile. That dates me. If you didn't know it, I'm old. But I made over $4,000 in that week, which for us back then, that was a lot of money. This was in the early 80s. And uh, we were new Christians, fairly new to the Lord, but we loved our church, and Barb looked at me. She paid the bills, still does. You know, that's just something that I've never been good at, and I'm thankful that she's willing to do it because we don't go broke that way. And she looked at me, and she goes, so how much do you want me to write the check for? <laughs> and I was thinking in my head real quick, you know, $4,300. Oh, $430. You know, that was my initial. And listen, it got better. I was young in the Lord then. But I still believed in that church. I still believe in this church. I believe that this is an instrument in God's hands. We are the body of Christ. And he uses us to minister to our dying community. To take the light into places that are dark. And for this to happen, it takes you and I to see the fact that we own this. It's ours, and we must take care of it. It's our responsibility. Another notable thing was that those who belonged to the church did not have to be told to pick up a piece of trash or throw their coffee cup away when they were finished with it. Not to say any of you don't do that. I'm just saying... These are some of the things that I observed. We treated that church like it was our own home. And for some of you, you might want to treat it a little better. Because I've been to your house. Just saying. If we spilled something, though, we would either look for something to clean it up, or we would look, if we had a maintenance guy, we would look for that person to clean it up. We didn't just leave the messes. Because we wanted whoever came behind us to see that our church was clean and kept up because we cared. Our church people made sure that the flowers and the bushes were trimmed. And we, we wanted it to look nice for whoever drove by. You realize that's what they see before they ever step foot in this church. 
The other thing is the website. But they see the front of the property, the sign, the plants out there, the grass being mowed or not being mowed, whatever. That is their example of who's inside. Can you, can you get this? Are you, is this making any sense? Don't glare at me. It's not my fault, Corey. Love you. <laughs> He's got that serious look. On. You know what it is? It's your mustache, man. It just makes you. You're just intimidating over there. Hopefully it's all right that I pick on you. Why did we care if it looked nice, if everything was clean and freshly painted and things weren't broken? Why did that matter? Well, I've been to churches where it didn't matter. And you know what my first thought was? I can't wait to get out of here. Because pretty much everything in the church went that way. From a, a broken worship service to a pastor who got up and, and didn't really know what he was supposed to say. Well, I prayed about what I was supposed to say today. And Lord just gave it to me like five minutes ago. Here it is. And listen, there's nothing wrong to hearing from the Holy Spirit. But man, this is too important not to take the time to make sure you've heard from the Lord. And unless He's telling you, don't put anything on paper. And that shouldn't be because you're lazy as a pastor. We need to put our best effort into what we do here because sometimes this is the only message people hear about Jesus. And I don't want to miss it. I, I want people to hear about Jesus. Amen? The reason that we were so concerned about how our church looked, and again, this was, this was all taught to us by Pastor Dave, and uh, a lot of you are hearing that now in our pace-setting leadership course, but it was for this reason. Nothing turns off a visitor quicker than seeing an unkept or dirty building or property. Visitors who are well taken care of will become regular attenders. But people who come in and they see everything in disarray, they look at what we're doing as, you know, they really don't care, they probably won't come back. So that's why it's so important. And, and this, is, this message is really from my heart, but I feel like it was inspired by the Lord. I hope it's making sense to you. And listen, when our church started to take ownership, you know what happened? When we first started at the Hope, we had 200 people. After a few years, we were up to about 500. And then Pastor Dave started teaching the art of pace setting leadership, and he started teaching us about serving, about taking ownership of the church. And we went from 500 to 2,500 in less than two years. We built a church that seated 2,300 people thinking that we'd be able to go to one service. And by the time we got into that building, and he shared this last week, that 86 plus one, by 1987, we had so many people in that church, we had to go to a second and then a third service. With 2,300 seats, it was awesome. 
Because people like you and me took ownership of what God had blessed us with. It's easy to get the attitude that someone else will do it. Right? It's easy to think that they have plenty of musicians, plenty of singers, plenty of workers in the nursery. But that isn't the case. We have so many needs in this church. We need people to run sound. John, you have been so faithful, man. And your son, John. Listen, they're here every week. What if they aren't here? This happened two weeks ago. We had to scramble to find somebody to run the overhead. Because they have to know the songs. You get what I'm saying here? It takes somebody to run the live stream booth. You ought to poke your head in there if you haven't seen it. It's quite the setup back in there. It's in that little door over there, right behind, uh, next to Paul, behind Laura and, and Gary, that little brown door. And, and is Phil in there today? Philip Matheny, I'm calling him out, is in that little room, probably sweating because everything gets so hot, and he's running sound and he's running the cameras up there. They're robotic, so they move wherever he aims them. And why am I telling you this? Because he was gone recently, and we needed somebody to replace him. That is not something you just take somebody... Jeff, we need you to run live stream this week. What would you say to me? I'm leaving by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving by because you need to be trained on that. And we need people to be trained, backup people, secondary people, where we give folks like John and John Halverson a rest once in a while. And the same with our singers once in a while. Wow. Where am I going with this? I don't know. Many hands make light work. Have you ever heard that? I think my dad used to tell me that every time he asked me to clean the garage. And, and, and then he'd walk out. Any, any others ever have to? That was always my job. I don't know how I got that. Butch, don't even. My brother's name is Butch. Butch, don't even. If you're listening... I clean the garage. <laughs> he had to mow the lawn, though, which was fun once we got to ride it. Matthew 20, and, and I know you guys have heard this. Verse 25, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Boy, do we see that today. But, does that pertain to us? Listen to this. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. What did he do? He told his disciples, I want you, and I'm this is my paraphrase. I want you to take ownership of the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be here forever. 
I'm replacing myself with you, you 12. Yes, it took 12 people to replace Jesus. Shouldn't surprise you, he was God. But then he said, and then I want you guys to replace yourselves. When they sent the other disciples out, how many went out, remember? 70 or 72, depending on which version you look at. Why? Because they knew they had to replace themselves. But they all took ownership. And what happened? Church grew. People heard the good news about Jesus. They wanted to know more. They brought them in. They prayed with them. They baptized them in water. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they discipled them to do it again. Now you go. That's what it's all about. That's what this church is all about. Pastor Dave taught that everyone at the Hope was a leader. We were, we were mini pastors, as Pastor Barb likes to call them. We didn't have the, the certificate hanging on our wall, that we weren't ordained or anything, but every one of us felt like we were ministers, lay ministers. Because it took all of us to keep that church running. Back in the day, and, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, I'm just trying to express to you what it was like. We had such a vibrant children's ministry, and my wife and I led that for eight years at Mount Hope in Lansing. And we had, and this might surprise you, we had 2,000 children that attended our services. That's how many were on our, in our directory. We had 300 volunteers. I had six people that worked for me full-time that were on my staff, including my wife, but we had. It was awesome. And not only that, but we had 1,000 children that we ministered to on the weekends. 1,000 from the inner city, as we would call it then, from the urban developments in, in and around Lansing. And those little kids, I am telling you, they would come in there, they would be, we'd bus them in, we had 10 buses. How many people did we need to run 10 buses? 20 people. Because you didn't just lo lose a bus driver, you needed somebody on there. Are you kidding me with 30 or 40 or 50 kids from the housing development? You needed somebody on there. To love on them. You know what I'm saying. But here's the cool thing. After a couple of years of ministering to those kids, they came in. They were ready for church. We didn't have nearly as many issues as when we started. Why? Because they heard about Jesus and Jesus changed their lives. And here's the cool thing. Those little kids went home and started telling mom and dad about all the cool things that were going on at Mount Hope Church in Lansing. And you know what that did? We started seeing these folks showing up on Sunday and Wednesday night. And the church grew. When we left there in 2000, we had somewhere around five or 6,000 people that attended Mount Hope Church. I mean, I'm not boasting. What I'm trying to get you to see is Multiplication happens when the church takes ownership. We had people that knew their job was 
to get on that bus every Saturday and drive it into town and bring back a whole bunch of excited children. And they wouldn't have missed that for anything because those were their kids. They were their bus pastors as we looked at them. It was cool. And we changed lives. And you know what? Many of those children who we ministered to back in the 90s are bringing their kids back today. Many of them went into ministry as a result. Many of the kids that we ministered to went into the ministry as a result of our caring, taking ownership, and loving those kids. Well, enough about children's ministry. We knew the importance of what we were doing. There were souls in the balance. That's what I really want you to see today, to understand that if somebody comes in the door, and Barb, I'm going to share what you shared with me about the young person at the hotel. So they went to this conference down in uh, the Detroit area, Novi. And the young man came out at 8 o'clock, and uh, Sarah and Melinda were still in the hot tub. And it, there was a sign at the front that said, pool closes at 10, or I'm sorry, pool closes at 8, hot tub closes at 10. It was 8 o'clock. And this young guy comes out that apparently worked for the hotel, and he goes, you've got one minute. What would you do if that was you? Splash him. <laughs> Oh, Jeff. Some of us might do the proper thing and just go talk to somebody or make sure you left a message with the, the right people to say, hey, that wasn't very nice. You know, it made us feel... I mean, he could have approached that so many different ways. Hey, do you realize uh, the hot tub closes at 8? That would have been the proper way. Why am I bringing this up? Simply because it left a bad taste in their mouth about that hotel. And that wasn't the only thing that happened, but one of them. When people come to the Hope, they should be treated well. With a big smile on their face. Paul, God bless you, man. You are the person, most of the time, that people see first. Number one, because you're this tall, but number two, because you're at the front door. And when people come in, they need to see you, man, just... And honestly, whenever I've seen you, you are. you got to be, welcome to the hope. Welcome to the hope. You open the door for them. You do whatever it takes so that that first impression, which is often what lasts the longest is what sticks with them. Do you know sinners look for ways not to come back to church? They will look for any excuse they can. I, I received an email once from this family who visited here, and there were four of them, a mom and dad and a couple of younger teens, and they said, your church was horrible. Nobody ever said anything to us. We sat in there and we just felt like total strangers. And I found out afterwards that at least six people that I talked to spoke to them, welcomed them 
In their heads, they were looking for a way not to come back. That's the only thing I could figure out, because there's no way they could have missed all the people that went to them and welcomed them. We have to be better than that, right? Because I don't want there to be an excuse for people. In fact, to the contrary. I want them to be so welcomed, so invited, that they can't help but wanting to come back. Because we make them feel like they're part of our church family. And each of us. And don't throw this on the greeters. If you're sitting out there right now going, look at yourself. I know I caught you. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. What I'm saying is, if there's somebody new next to you, please be nice. I shouldn't have to tell you that, but put a smile on and introduce yourself. Just say, hey, I'm whoever you are. Welcome. Do you live in Gaylord? That's all you got. Usually, if you, you know, if you ask somebody about themselves, nine times out of ten, they'll tell you. People like talking about themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need all of us to do this. Hallelujah. We must do our best when we serve as ushers, greeters, doing sound, playing guitar or bass or or keyboard, whatever it is, singing. Do it all with excellence because this is God's house. We minister to God's people. And we're expected, we are expected to give our best to the people that come here. And that includes each other. Who likes to be mistreated? Anybody? Nobody's hands going up. I like being treated special. Now, please don't start, oh, pastor, you're the greatest. I I don't mean that. If you've got to work it up, don't do it. But I am saying to you, it blesses me. You know what blesses me? Like a parent, when I see you guys loving somebody that just walked through those doors, taking time to go out of your way to go greet them and say hello, introduce yourself. I am a proud parent, man. I'm telling you. I'm proud of you. And that blesses me when I see that. We should be the friendliest venue in the Gaylord community. And when people say, what about the hope? It ought to be, oh man, yeah, you go out there, you're going to feel good about yourself. Those people care. I want to just share a couple scriptures. Colossians 3.23 The apostle was actually talking to slaves at the time. I don't think anybody in here is a slave. But the idea is that we are a slave for Christ. There's a reason that his disciples called him master. There's a reason that in Matthew 25, Jesus talked about his servants being given a certain amount of money, and then what did they do with it, right? 
And at the end of that, what did he say? He said to those who were doing what they should, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. So we are servants, all of us. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. We could all apply this, not just here, but in our jobs, wherever we work. I always, this, this was my mantra when I worked at Oldsmobile. And as a result, because I didn't work for my boss, I did, but I didn't. I saw him as he was just a step between me and the Lord. The Lord was my true boss. And he was the one I wanted to honor. Which meant I needed to be on time. Which meant I didn't punch out early. Which meant even when somebody wasn't looking, I was still doing the things they were paying me to do. That was important to me. Because it wasn't what people saw me do so much as what God saw me do. He looks at the heart. And you know what? I was promoted three times as a result. I believe it was a result of that. Even later, when I, we went to Bible college and I worked for headquarters, got on maintenance. I've told this story before. I started out with the pot cart. Then I was promoted to, you might not think this was a promotion, but I got promoted to keeping, uh, taking care of the floors, the buffers and the carpet, which was way better than <laughs> the pot cart. And the last six months I was there, I was promoted to assistant supervisor. Why? Because everything I did, I did as unto the Lord. When I went to church, I tried to find a place where I could get plugged in, where I could do what God wired me to do, even if that just meant smiling at somebody, picking up trash, whatever it was, I was willing to do it. And that's what I'm trying to say to you, to take ownership. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, whatever you, say that with me, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Say it one more time. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every one of us should practice this. Everything that we should do should be done to the glory of God. I've already said this, but this building was a gift from the Lord. It's our responsibility to keep it maintained and keep it looking beautiful. Do you know that if we had to replace this, this whole structure, it'd be well over a million dollars? So we need to take care of it. Every person that attends the Hope should recognize that we have a responsibility to those who come to our church to assure that everything goes well. People will try to find reasons not to attend. Let's not give them the excuse. Let's make sure that everything is done decent and in order, that it all looks nice, that we practiced up whatever, that we've taken a shower, that we've added the, if we need it. Some of you need it more than others, just saying. I want everybody that calls the hope their church to know that God is up to something. We're in a, we're, we're in a season, and you heard Pastor Dave, if you were here last week, he said, 
there is going to be a billion-person revival, a harvest in these last days. It's already started. I want to be part of that. I don't know about you. I want to be part of that. I want our church to be a part of that. And the leaders have felt for some time that the Lord is preparing us to receive an influx of unchurched people. People that need to be saved and discipled. People that need the love of God in their homes. Yesterday, I was studying, I was, I was putting some of the touches on my sermon for today. and Barb wasn't there, it was just me and the dog and the two cats. And my neighbors were putting a roof on their house and they weren't there, but somebody was there to put the roof on the house. And every other word. Woo! Man, I have not been in that environment. And when you live in the woods, sound travels. So they had this music playing really loud. That's what started it. I was all right with that. And then it was all the verbiage. And I'm telling you, they only knew three or four words. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was tough. I had to shut the door. I prayed. But I had to shut the door. I was like, wow. I couldn't concentrate. There is a whole bunch of people out there today that, that need hope. They need Jesus not just to get a hold of their, their lips and the verbiage but to get, get hold of this. Just like they did. I used to be those guys before I knew the Lord. <laughs> I knew about three or four words. And then, Jesus. Add Jesus. The Lord, clean me up. Instantly. <laughs> I didn't cuss anymore. Wasn't that cool? I mean, when you knew me before getting born again and after getting born again, it, it freaks some people out. They're like, who are you? What did you do with Norm? People need to hear what we have. How are they going to hear unless we tell them? How are we going to tell them unless we go? How are we going to go unless we're sent? Beautiful are the feet of those. We bring good news. All hands on deck. That's a Navy term. Usually because of battle stations. <laughs> ah, we're getting bombed. Get up here. But what I'm saying to you is we need everyone, everyone to be a part of this, to own this church. To own this kingdom of God that the Lord is establishing here. Nobody should feel like they don't need me. If you do, it isn't coming from me. Can I get a good amen? amen. We need people who are ready to lead more Bible studies. Maybe even some home groups. Remember those? How many were here when we did Common Ground years ago? 
It's coming back, I have a feeling. My board doesn't know that, so don't tell them. <laughs> Barb's like, oh no. We have to be ready to pray for people in season and out. When somebody says, like Brother Bill, oh man, I need my tooth worked on. God bless you, brother. I'll be praying for you. No, lay them, put hands on them with permission. Pray for them. What are you waiting for? Give God the glory. Let him do something miraculous. Hallelujah. We must also recognize that many hands make light work. We need folks to pick up a vacuum every now and then. Maybe even a toilet brush. I'm not beyond that. To work in the nursery or children's ministry once a month. Those little ones need help. I don't mean that in a negative way. What I'm saying is, you realize that the nursery, the preschool, the children's ministry, our young adults, junior high, high school, that is good ground. Better ground than... Most people, 80%, if I understand it right, come to the Lord before they turn 18. What does that tell us? We got this thing wonky. <laughs> we ought to be pouring into our little ones because they're the ones who are best affected by the gospel and the most eager to say, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> we need to work at that. Well, I'm not called to, to work with kids. Who is? Sometimes you just need to do what God's telling you to do. I encourage everybody here to take pace setting leadership if you haven't. We just started it last Wednesday. We had almost 30 that came out Wednesday night. We're going to do it again this Wednesday. If you haven't already, come on out Wednesday. Six to eight, two hours of good stuff. And we'll, we'll pour into you, and at the end of this thing, uh, for those who've completed all of it, you'll actually get a certificate. But it will change your life, how you minister in church and at home and in the workplace. It changed me. That's where I learned most of what I've learned. That's true. I've learned a lot in college, too. Don't get me wrong. But. So, the Hope Church, yes, it's the building. It's the property, but most important, The Hope Church are the people. That's you. That's me. So when people say, what's the Hope Church like? They shouldn't be looking at the building. They should be looking at how you respond out there, in here, wherever they might see you. So remember that. What do people see when they watch you? When they ask you about your church. When they ask you, why are you always so happy? When they ask you, hopefully they do once in a while, when they ask you, you know, you're different from everybody else. What, why? You can say, first, because Jesus is my Lord. Second, because I attend an awesome church called the Hope. And you're not embarrassed about coming here. You're not embarrassed to bring your friends here because 
I'm really giving you a workout, aren't I? Thank you for playing softly. One final thing, then I'm going to start to close. There is such a huge difference between someone who rents or leases versus someone who owns. If you've been on both sides, you know what I'm talking about. When you rent or lease, I've got a lease truck out here, the red Silverado, and you know what? I can't wait to turn that thing in. (laughs) Had a few issues with it, all right? I love Silverado, but I just happened to get one that I'm not all that pleasant, pleasing, whatever it is with it. Do I care what condition it's in when I turn it in? Well, I'm not going to beat it up, but no, I'm going to be looking forward to getting done with it. But my house, on the other hand, we own that, or almost own that. I take care of it. Why? Because when it comes time, if we need to sell it, I want it to be worth something. I don't want it to be devalued. We put our best into that place. We keep it painted. We, we make sure things don't, if they break, we fix them. So on and so forth. There's a big difference between owning and leasing. So let me ask you this. As everybody stands. Do you rent this church or do you own it? It really makes a difference. Your attitude makes a difference. I heard a lot of people say we own it, and that's awesome. I hope you really meant that. You know, one day we're all going to be rewarded for the souls that have entered heaven because of our efforts. For some, you support the church with your generosity, as I like to call it. For others, you serve in different capacities. For many of you, you do both. You serve and you give as the Lord leads. I want to encourage everybody here, take ownership. Treat this building and the ministries here that as your very own. Don't wait for somebody. Here's the thing. In Lansing, when somebody had a brainstorm, something, maybe a ministry that wasn't being achieved or accomplished at the time, they could take that to one of our leaders and say, look, I think we need to start this or whatever it was. You know, maybe it was a, a prison ministry. There were times that they started uh, healing teams. That was one of the coolest things I think I ever saw. One of the guys came to me and said, hey, we need to reach the kids in the inner city. That's what started what we call a Champions Club back then. It took somebody taking ownership saying, you know what, we need this. Otherwise, this church isn't complete. And it took all the rest of us to get on board with that. Say this with me. This is my church. And my behavior shows that I own it. I will not need someone to tell me what to do. I'll find a place to serve as unto the Lord, to His glory. I'll give my time, my resources generously. I'll do all that I can to ensure that people who come here 
People who see me out there will be blessed. And when everything is said and done, our master, Jesus, mighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, thank you again for everything you're doing here at the Hope. We pray, Lord, that you would grow this church as only you can. And by that, I don't even care numerically. Lord, I want this church to be healthy. I want it to be filled with people who love you and who love their brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray that you would help this message just to uh, come all over us this week, Lord, that we would weigh out what it means to own this church, to take ownership of it, Lord, to treat it as our own. And Lord, it's my prayer that everybody in this room, Lord, those online, that they will, they will feel this, Lord. They'll understand it and they'll apply it to their lives. It's mine. And I'm going to treat it with everything I have, the best that I have, to the glory of God. Now before we leave, I just want to ask this real quick. Is there anybody here today that you would say, you know what, Pastor, it all sounds good, but I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I, I, I think, I'm feeling in my heart that I would like to do that today. That I'd like to be a part of this church. A part of Jesus' kingdom. If that's you, anybody here, just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Hallelujah. All right. Everybody here is saved, I hope. There could be people online. And listen, I just want you to know we love you guys. Even though you're not here in person, we'd like for you to be here in person. But some of you can't be. Some of you are in Tennessee. Hi, Judy. Some of you are in Perry. Uh, my mom and my brother and, and his wife, uh, Lynette. God bless you guys. We want to thank you for coming. But maybe there's somebody out there. We just want to pray this prayer with you. If you need Jesus... You need, some, you need a change in your life. Even though you're not here, I believe God can minister to you. And we want to pray with you today. So I would ask our church family here, would you join me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, I need Jesus. On the inside, I know things are not right. But today, I want that to change. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and make me a new person. Help me to know you. Help me to read my Bible. Or better, when I read my Bible, help me to understand it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant business, God is right there in that room and he's heard you and you are now one of his kids. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And I just want to throw this out. If anybody online, if, if you're not able to get this, the start of something wonderful, the new life, if you're not able to get that where you live, if you write us here at The Hope, we will make sure you get a copy of it. So we love you that much, and we want you to get a good start 
in this new walk with the Lord. So do that, and uh, you'll be blessed, and we'll be blessed sending it to you. So with that, how you doing? What's the three-letter word? Thank you. You learned something today. So did I. Father, keep us safe as we come and go. Help us to get to know each other better. Help us to get to know you, most important. We love you, and we commit the people of the hope into your hands. In Jesus' name, and everybody tell Tammy, thank you for playing so beautifully. (laughs) Her fingers are ready to fall off. God bless you. Have a great week.